Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's 105 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer in Ice District at Rogers Place, Edmonton and St. Louis tonight. The Oilers coming in with a record of 17-13. and 13. The Blues are 13-5-1. and one. Uh, St. Louis struggling. A bit of a surprise. Goals against 29th in the league at 3.72 and 31st in the league in the PK at 67.7. Edmonton's power play is now number one in the league at 31.5. The Oilers have moved up to fourth on this recent heater in goals for 3.63. Again, Oilers now brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. Uh, just before we go to the River Cree Resort Casino hotline, the River Cree Resort Casino excitement pennant, I want to tell you, Japanese Village for 50 years, Edmonton's destination for a celebration of the senses, reserved today at jvedmonton.ca. Uh, we had, uh, just before we went to break, Oilers game day trivia for St. Albert Source for Sports. The question was, which two current Blues players previously have played for the Edmonton Oilers? Brendan Escott, the answer is? Uh, second rounder Tyler Pitlick, and uh, remember Nathan Walker? Once upon a time? Played a couple games for the Oilers after he's claimed on waivers uh, from Washington. And who, oh, who ended up getting the correct, uh, or was it St. I'm trying to, maybe he wasn't. Anyways, who uh, was the winner of trivia today? Congrats to Sonny, who won it today. Sonny, well done. That was not the easiest of questions. Now I'm going to have to look up Nathan Walker. All right, well, without further ado, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline. This guy knows uh, all things uh, related to St. Louis hockey as well as anything. By the way, it was Washington that the Oilers claimed uh, Walker from, and then uh, he ended up back with the Washington Capitals. They claimed him back a little bit later on, but uh, we are going to bring aboard our, our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Uh, from the Athletic out of St. Louis, he's been on the show a number of times. We welcome back to the show Jeremy Rutherford. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? Hello. Hey, Sonny knows more about the Blues than I do. I would have not gotten uh, Nathan Walker there in the trivia. Yeah, he only played a It was during Pete Sher- It was during a really challenging time for the Oilers. Uh, it was in the final days of Todd McClellan as a head coach, and uh, Pete Shirelli made a couple pretty interesting moves. Uh, you know, he traded Ryan Strome for Ryan Spooner. Spooner was out of the NHL by the end of last season. Strom, you know, ended up uh, going to the Rangers organization and has got himself a five times five deal with Anaheim. And then they picked up uh, Walker and Waivers. He played for a couple games and put him back. So there you have it. Um, that was the 18-19 season. And I recall St. Louis coming into Edmonton that year. Doug Armstrong was GM. Pete was here with the Oilers at the time. And there were rumors about a Bowmeister Maroon trade to Edmonton because the Blues were 31st. St. Louis isn't where they want to be right now, Jeremy. They're 13-15-1. Is this a team that could turn it around? Uh, they're finally healthy tonight. Is this a team that could turn it around and... I mean, this this is the team that played, I would argue, Colorado better than anybody last year. Could they still be a potential Stanley Cup contender this year? What do you think? The way I see it, Bob, uh, no. Uh, it's tough in St. Louis when you address that question because everybody refers back to 2018-19 when they were last in the league. They did have a few games in hand, but nonetheless last in the league standings. January 3rd, I believe it was, and go on to win the Stanley Cup. So anytime you talk about can a team turn around, how do you say no when a team just did it a few years ago here in St. Louis? So it's tough. But I think this makeup is different. This team is different. They've lost a lot of character, a lot of experience. 
from that roster. You touched on uh, Jay Bolmeister was a part of that team. Pat Maroon, who would have thought that he would have went and won a couple more cups with uh, Tampa Bay. Alexander Steen, you're familiar with. So uh, Alex Petrangelo, a lot of good character guys uh, with a lot of ton of uh, locker room experience that have moved on. And so that's not to take anything away from guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, they still have some core guys left from that team, but I just don't think there's enough on this roster to make that type of turnaround like they did that year. Well, we had Doug Armstrong on the show earlier this year and talked about how his D had changed because my experience watching the Oilers against St. Louis is the Oilers had had problems because St. Louis's D was big and they could skate, right? Like, Pareko's a big man, uh, and Pareko put, got put with Bomeister that year, and that allowed Petrangelo to get second-line uh, matchups when they played against the Oilers, and uh, it is a very different D. In fact, Pareko is the only one of the starting six, because Bortuzzo was the number seven defenseman that year. Um, is it too simple just to look at the changing complexion of the D, losing Petrangelo to free agency to Vegas, uh, the, you know, Bomeister having to retire? I mean, he probably would have been retired by this point anyways, but with the with the heart uh, situation, does it start in the back end? Because I'm looking at a team right now that's 29th in the league in goals against. Uh, this is why you're so good, Bob. You just hit the nail on the head. I just published an article about 45 minutes ago that looks at the roster construction from 2018-19 until now. And the number one thing I saw in reviewing all these rosters was the departure of Alex Petrangelo. And that's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, an obvious statement there that when you lose the number one defenseman like the Blues did with Alex Petrangelo, that uh, you're not going to be as good. But I think that kind of set in motion a lot of things that make this defense look a lot different than it did years ago. And you're right about uh, Jay Bolmeister. You lose him. He played so well in that cup run. He and Colton Preco were a terrific shutdown pair. And he likely would have been retired by now. You never know what the way he was still skating, right? But yeah, I think when you, you look at that defense from 2018-19, Petrangelo, Bolmeister, you had a Joel Edmondson on that team. And you had some uh, other guys. Now you look at it, you have uh, Tory Krug, good player, undersized, a Justin Falk, who I think has been the team's best defenseman. But the one thing is, we're talking about uh, Petrangelo leaving, you promote Colton Pareko, who you're familiar with, uh, to that role, and I just don't know that he's that number one or that he will be. Good player, can skate like the wind, can exit out of anything in the zone. Uh, but in terms of uh, what the Blues need from that position, what they kind of got from it from uh, Alex Petrangelo, I just don't know that, that he measures up. And I think that this defense, as a result, looks a lot different than it did uh, five years ago. What shocks me is the plus minuses. And I, I get it. You know, the advanced analytics might tell a slightly different story, but the fact is the Blues are being outshot by two and a half shots per game. But Tory Krug, minus 23. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, minus 21. Kairu, minus 21. Like, this is St. Louis. They've always been a pretty good five-on-five team, Jeremy. And for people who saw that Blues game in Edmonton, Earlier this season, a 2 nothing win, it was great. It was a clinic that the Blues put on, and you get uh, excited if you're a Blues fan watching that game. But right after that game, they went on to lose eight straight. And you point to all those uh, minus numbers, uh, a lot of backdoor tap-ins. Jordan Bennington, I thought, was the Blues' best player the first two and a half months of the season, uh, but he has not been helped by this defense that we just uh, talked about. And it hasn't just been the, the blue line. It's, it's been the forwards uh, not helping as well. And so on and so forth, but I think you've got a situation here where uh, the Blues just haven't been able to figure it out since that game 
against Edmonton. Now, you look, after the eight-game losing streak, they did win seven in a row, but a lot of inferior opponents there. And I think the Blues had a lot of pride in the locker room. They said that's not who we are. They strung together a few wins. But even since that seven-game winning streak, it's been a, a lot of losses. So still trying to figure it out. And uh, I guess they'd be hoping to recapture how the way, the way they played uh, in Edmonton that night. Did uh, You talked about character. And we had David Perron here for a year and a bit. And, and Craig McTavish, when he was GM, made a great trade. Like, he got a first round out of Pittsburgh for him. Uh, Perron's had three stints in St. Louis. But to me, he was, I don't know what... You know, he doesn't take any crap out on the ice. He's not the biggest guy. He doesn't fight, but he's in the opposite. Do they miss him a bit? A lot. They miss him a lot. And it was a tough decision. You look at the history of Doug Armstrong. He's parted with a few captains uh, with uh, David Backus. You got Alex Petrangelo. Uh, you have some players that uh, he's moved, moved on from. David Prawn wasn't a captain, but he was a team favorite, a fan favorite, a, a good guy uh, in the locker room. And I think that we can all uh, say that uh, got better with age, like uh, the three stints with the St. Louis Blues, I think his third one was his best one, certainly on the power play. And so he was playing with uh, Ryan O'Reilly much of his career here in that third stint. The Blues did not find anybody in the early part of the season, Bob, to play with Ryan O'Reilly, and I think it affected them offensively. And then when you go through uh, a long losing streak like eight in a row, usually you have a, a David Perron in the locker room to kind of break it up and keep things even keel. They didn't have that. That's been a major storyline here in St. Louis is the loss of, of David Prime, that decision not to bring him back. Well, we're, you know, Bennington goes tonight, uh, but they got 10 30-year-old players in the lineup. Now, several of them are UFAs. Um, is this a you-know-what or get-off-the-pot here over the next month or so for St. Louis? Like, is do you think Army, Doug Armstrong, might be prepared to go the other way and actually, instead of loading up, if, if they can't gain some traction here, I mean, they, O'Reilly's a pending UFA. Tarasenko's a, a UFA. They're, every team in the league that's going for it in the playoffs, O'Reilly would be a highly coveted center. I mean, tell me, Colorado wouldn't be interested in getting him back in their organization? So where's your headspace at? What do you think's going to transpire here if they can't get rolling? Yeah, for sure, but I think they might be already to the point where they're talking about getting off the, the pot here because uh, this is a situation where, you know, even if they strung together some wins in the next month, does Doug Armstrong even believe that this is a team that could still make a run? He might. Like, he still had confidence in that 2018-19 team and uh, and then push forward with that group. So we'll see. But you mentioned you got a couple good assets in Ryan O'Reilly who could go to a lot of places. Vladimir Tarasenko, people might take a flyer on him now that he's in the last year of that deal. Nobody wanted to pull the trigger on trade the last year or two since there's no trade request but there was still a lot of term left on there a lot of money so now you got a situation where Tarasenko could help you for the last couple months so I do think that Doug Armstrong while he still is is probably monitoring things and seeing how the next month goes has probably made up his mind that that's direct, the direction that, that he's going to move and start listening to offers on those guys at the turn of the calendar. Um, there is a player that's maybe a little off the beaten path just because of price point and role that I want to ask you about, and that's Nola Chari. He's a pending UFA at $1.25 million. He's 57% in the faceoff, and he's got a circle, and he's got eight goals. Um, I wonder if there might be a little subtle market on him. He's had a 20-goal season in the NHL. Suffice to say, he's probably been one of the better bottom six forwards for this team. 
Yeah, if you if you tagged it to the guy's role, uh, I think that Blues fans would say he's been one of the two or three best players on the roster this year. And it doesn't say much when you talk about an underachieving roster, but uh, Noel Terry has been that good. He, he really has. And so they bring him in to, to play that fourth line, but he's a guy who had 20 goals in the league with Florida just a few years ago. He comes in, he's given him grit, he's won face-offs, as you said. I think he comes into tonight's game, he's won about 15 out of his last 16 face-offs. So terrific on the dot. He's given that fourth line uh, a lot. You know, it's lacking an identity, but he provides what he can. Uh, and in terms of would they move him, i got to believe that Doug Armstrong's probably talking to his camp about an extension just to see if he'd be interested. Maybe he give him two years. Maybe yeah. he likes his situation. Maybe he likes his – because if you move him, you know, you, you might get a middle draft pick, but you're not going to get uh, what you already have in the players. So i got to believe that they're going to be thinking extension with him. And if he's not interested, then maybe think about moving him. And what about uh, uh, Barbashev? Uh, he, too, is a UFA. Two point, I think he's at 2.5 or 2.25. This guy had a 26-goal, 60-point season last year. He's another guy who they could consider moving. So last year, the 60-point, 26 goals was an outlier. He hasn't done that offensively in his career. I think he shot about 23%, um, and now he's down from that. He won't reach those offensive numbers, but a very good overall player. Uh, I think that he could add a lot to a, a playoff team. He hits, and uh, he can move up and down the lineup. Uh, he's he actually played in up six at times with the Blues, and so with him on an expiring contract, I think teams will nibble on him. And the thing with the Blues, you know, they'd love to keep him, but after that 60-point season last year, it's, it's on the resume. So is he going to be a 3.5 or $4 million player next year? He might be able to get that in for agency, and I think that's too high for the Blues. So I think that they will uh, listen on him. As you know, the Oilers also have uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, as part of the Oilers Entertainment Group, of whom I work for. Uh, i got to ask you about Jake Neighbors. He's down on the minors right now. Uh, this is obviously a guy that uh, the Blues like for the future. They really do. They really do. And he was uh, on the roster when the trip, when the team made the trip to Edmonton, as you guys know, uh, last time, Bob. But uh, this year, he's, or this trip, he's in the minors. Uh, he actually had an OT winner, I believe it was last night or night before, for the Springfield Thunderbirds. It's just a situation Craig Ruby said, look, he's played fine, and he's going to be a real good NHL player for a long time. It's just a situation. It's a bad thing going on right now with the Blues and how they're playing. And they, they really couldn't guarantee him the minutes. I think his last couple of games, he might have got eight or nine minutes and even some fourth-line duty. So wanted to get him off to Springfield and get him in a top six and PP role scoring. He's done that, and so I think at some point we'll see him, but now is not the right time for him. All right, and just give us your perspectives on Clem Costin, who's got two goals and four points in 14 games. He's playing about 10 minutes a game. He fought Zach Cassian when Arizona was in town. Uh, just a byproduct of the numbers in St. Louis, or were there certain things that he didn't do to secure full-time deployment? Yeah, it's a great question, and I hope to give you a good uh, response here. I think that uh, Clem Costin came over from uh, Russia when the Blues picked him in the first round, and the clock kind of started on him because he came over and, and was willing to put in the time in the American Hockey League, but as a result, fans knew it, knew who he was. They were monitoring his status in the American Hockey League, and even though everybody in the organization knew it was going to take a couple years for him to, to kind of develop and maybe uh, reach the NHL, fans were kind of saying, okay, well, seems like he's a project and this isn't going to work out. Well, then he comes up. And uh, it was just hit or miss with him. You'd see the, 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 the glimpses. You'd see the big hits. You'd see, you know, some power move type uh, plays in the offensive zone. But it wasn't consistent enough. I think the Blues honestly did give him enough chances. And I think that uh, when he came in, he just wasn't consistent enough. There was plenty of room on the roster for him this year. He did not 
uh, grab it in training camp. So I think most people understood uh, the decision to part ways, and good for him, change of scenery, good spot uh, in Edmonton. He's been able to capitalize there from what I understand here and, and, and reading. Uh, so I think that uh, this has been good for Clem. Uh, well, one of the things that's worked to his advantage is the Oilers do not have Evander Kane, nor do they have Warren Fogle. And those are two of their, you know, two of their – Certainly top four. I mean, Kane's a first-line left wing, 35 goals in 58 games. Jeremy, if people uh, uh, want to access uh, your your sort of synopsis on the Blues over the four, last five years, how do they follow you on Twitter? Yeah, they can go to at J.P. Rutherford. That's J, and then my middle initial P is in Paul Rutherford, R-U-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D, or it's up at theathletic.com uh, right now, like I said, just published within the last hour. All right, great stuff, Jeremy. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Bob. You bet. That is Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic out of uh, St. Louis. He's been a longtime beat writer on the Blues for the last couple decades. It's 122 in Edmonton. We're going to come back and talk a bit about Ethan Bear and Curtis Lazar when we return on Oilers Now. It's uh, 122 in Edmonton. Ryan Nugent Hopkins and the Edmonton Oilers against the St. Louis Blues. It's 123 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott's back in the 630 Chad Studios. He's pulling double duty today, helping out with uh, our latest initiative with Oilers Plus. Going to be doing some uh, uh, in-game and post-game analysis. Hey, if you're looking for a perfect holiday gift, you can join Oilers now. We have about six spots left for our trip to Vegas to see the Oilers play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. This new West travel package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Strip. Great game tickets and a welcome reception with yours truly. Uh, for the orders now, Vegas Road Trip, reach out to newwesttravel.com. Brendan, did you watch the uh, the Canucks and the Flames? There wasn't a lot of hockey on last night, but did you catch any of the Canucks and the Flames? Yeah, I actually did. I watched uh, pretty much all the game, and I'll tell you what, there was a few. I know it hasn't been a great year for Vancouver, but there was a few of their players that were that were standing out to me. Uh, not the least of which we've seen in Edmonton before, Bob. And to me, that was that was really Curtis Lazar. I just think that he checks well. He's a right shot a right shot centerman. You know, he kills penalties, and I think he ticks a lot of the boxes that um, Edmonton may have been looking for in their bottom six. So I was just curious. I yes. should have texted you. What, yes. Yeah? The answer is yes. Yeah. The others were in on Curtis Lazar. Lazar was looking for a three-year term. I believe Edmonton got to two years. Um he got three years at a million bucks to go to Vancouver with a specified role, mostly right wing and center. But yes, the orders reached out to his agency as well. So there's your answer. Now, there was another guy last night, and I don't claim to have... I was a little bit surprised by the response of people because I put it out on Twitter after the game. Uh, I don't claim to have seen every game that Ethan Barrett played last season with Carolina, but he did not fit into the long-term plans of the Carolina Hurricanes. And they got a good team. You might be surprised. They're, they don't have quite as much traction as everybody thinks right now. they got a similar goal differential to the Oilers. They haven't walked away. And you can argue they're in a toughest, tougher conference, and that's fair. But last night, for me, was the best I'd seen Ethan Bear play since before the pandemic. He was that good. He made a couple plays under uh, pressure that took me back to the middle of the 1920 season. Um you know, where four checkers were on him and he reverse pivoted under control. He had another play where he leveraged the guy right off the puck and started the transition. I thought Ethan Bear played great in that hockey game. 
What did you think, Brendan? Honestly, I noticed the same, and I think that you you just described the exact play I was thinking of, where he, he threw his shoulder into a, I think it might have been Michael Backlund. There was somebody bigger than Ethan Bear. He just, you know, I think engaged is probably the right word, but he, he was applying physical elements to his game, and, and yeah, that transition game that uh, we did see splashes of, or, or maybe more so in that one season. It's it's Obviously, it's there in his game, but yeah. the consistency element is not. So, here, here's, here's the deal. There is nobody that uh, amongst the media that isn't cheering for Ethan Bear. Okay? No one. And I know that there's, oh, you know, like, and it's it's difficult. Like, he he was not as good in 20, he was not as good in the bubble in 1920, in the 20 bubble, as he was during the regular season of 1920. And he never got back from me to a level in 2021. Uh, we don't know how negotiations went, but I'm going to, hazard a guess that maybe there was a higher expectation than the orders were prepared to pay. The, the reality of the situation is it didn't work for Ethan in Carolina. He has gotten a fresh start in Vancouver. He looks way better, and I noticed that when he came to town, he was a healthy scratch with Carolina, and he's, like, he like last night, he looked like a legit top four defenseman, and I'm really happy for him. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with saying that on Twitter either, so... Uh, Whatever. Uh, you take it for what it's worth. All right. Do you want to mention the boys at Brentridge Ford did such a great job selling their trucks and SUVs? They're in need of more. Trade in your vehicle for an upgrade or sell it to them outright. Whatever's best for you. Remember, if you order a 2023 truck from Brentridge Ford, your interest rate can be locked in as low as 3.99%. You can call Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang, 780-352-6048. Brentridge Ford is your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. When we come back, this guy was a legend in New York City in the late 1970s. Briefly a member of the Edmonton Oilers, and, uh, was a former teammate of Ken Hollins with the Medicine at Tigers. Don Murdoch, when we return after a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson.